0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship today. Thanks for being friendly with your neighbors this morning. So nice to see that. So nice to see you, of course. Uh, My name is Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my great privilege to welcome you to church today. If this is one of your first times joining us, we have some really cool things that are going to be going on this morning. And so I hope you're excited to worship with us uh, this morning Uh, But if this is one of your first times joining us uh, and you want to learn more about who we are, you can certainly do that uh, by uh, taking one of those communication cards that can be found on the seat back in front of you. Take that card and uh, fill it out sometime this morning and come visit us in the Welcome Center afterwards. We have a free gift for you just for visiting us uh, today. But thank you for worshiping with us this morning. I have a few announcements I'd like to share with you uh, today. If you are relatively new to Victory Life Church and you think you want to hang out with us for a while and you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe and how you can get involved and get connected and uh, grow deeper in your faith, uh, we have a class just for you that's entitled Growth Track, and it's a way for you to kind of get on a pathway of growth uh, in your your Christian walk. And it starts next Sunday, and it'll be at 9.30 a.m. in room 307. It's the first door on on your left. Uh, You can register for this class uh, online by going to our website at vlchurch.com. Click on the banner that you see there on the screen and uh, fill out the form that pops up on your screen. And we would love to have you. We have pastries, we have good snacks, we have good conversation and a great time together. Uh, Last time we culminated during our last week and had uh, my mother-in-law's wonderful egg casserole. It's life-changing. You don't want to miss it. And she's in the room right now, and I am unofficially asking her to make it again. But uh, it's delicious. We have a great time. We hope we hope you'll join us. Uh, It starts next Sunday. It's called Growth Track. If you're new, it's a class. It's an excellent time, uh, excellent class for you to uh, participate in if you want to learn more about who we are as a church. Uh, The next announcement I have this morning is uh, about our baby dedication. That's going to happen in three weeks. Uh, We do this at least maybe once or twice a year uh, just to dedicate our little ones unto God, to encourage parents, and also us as a church to raise our little ones in the nurture and and admonition of the Lord. And if you would like to have your little one dedicated unto the Lord, uh, you can certainly register to have that done. Uh, It'll happen on Sunday, May 21. You can register online by clicking on the banner that you see there uh, on the screen and just fill it out. And... um, We'll get you registered, and uh, we'll take it from there and communicate with you about details. Uh, Next announcement I have this morning is about life groups. Uh, We have a lot of life groups that are ongoing. We have some that actually are starting up this week. Um, We have some that are happening on Wednesday nights, and uh, we have some that are happening on Sunday mornings. And so I encourage you to take a look at all of our life groups certainly you can do that online by clicking on the banner that you see there on the screen. Uh, but we also have a lot of our life groups that are on posters throughout the building. If you have a minute on your way out, take a look at those life groups and see which one might be interesting to you and sign up for one. We have a really a lot of really cool uh, life groups that are going on, and we encourage you to sign up and uh, get connected to one of those. Uh, last but not least, I want to make mention of the fact that today we are having our Mexico mission trip luncheon and auction after this second service down in our South Sanctuary. And so each and all of you are invited to come. We expect you to be there. It's going to be a really great time of supporting our group that's going to Mexico on a mission trip this summer. We're going to be auctioning, auctioning off a bunch of live um, auction items uh, during our time together. You can still bid, I suppose, on some of these items that you see out here uh, in the periphery of the hallways On your way out today, if you can't make it, but certainly if you can, we'd love for you to join us in support of um, those going to Mexico this summer on a mission trip. So we're looking forward to that and hope to see you this afternoon at the luncheon and auction. Well, that's all I have this morning in the way of announcements. If you've come to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, you likely know what to do and how to do it. You can give online, or you can give via text, or you can give as you exit the sanctuary this morning. But indeed, thank you for worshiping the Lord with your tithes and offerings today. I can ask you to stand this morning and in preparation for worship, I'd like to read a passage of scripture from 1 Chronicles 16, verses 23 and following. Listen to this. It says, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Amen. Let's pray real quick. Father God, we come to worship you now because you deserve it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And You may be seated this morning. We're going to continue our time of worship together uh, by celebrating God and uh, honoring God uh, because of the work of His hands in the lives of six individuals this morning. And so we're going to do that um, by celebrating these things by by baptism. So uh, our first uh, baptizee is Gordon Vanderhoof. Gordon, can you come forward right now? Give Gordon a hand as he comes to to the baptistry this morning. This is Gordon. And Gordon says the reason he's decided to get baptized is because he wants to follow Jesus in water baptism to become the best person, the best husband and best father he can be by the grace of God. Well, this is the best way to do it, Gordon. Congratulations. Give him a hand again.
1: Gordon, what a wonderful testimony this morning, and what an act of submission to the Lord to say, yes, I will. I want to be the husband, the father, the disciple that God's called me to be. And because you've made that decision this morning, it's our honor to baptize you today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Congratulations to Gordon. Next, we have Brianna Rasmussen. Brianna, come on up. Give Brianna a hand, everybody. Yeah, give your glasses over there to Mr. Petroski. This is Brianna. Um, I have a few words to share with you about what Brianna said. By the way, am I saying your name correctly? Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so Brianna says she's always been a Christian and has had an amazing mom and grandma, to teach her about God when she was younger. She says, I've always prayed and tried to read the Bible the most that she could, but this past couple of years, she's felt disconnected from God and totally lost. She says she's a teenager surrounded by her friends and family, yet still felt so lost and alone. Then she went to high school and felt even more disconnected from God and have made many, many mistakes and have committed some sins that she regrets. Therefore, she says she wants to get baptized to feel reconnected with God again and to wash away her sins. She says, I know God has always been with her, and I know God, I knew I just had to reach out to Him. And by getting baptized today, she says, I am reconnecting with God, and I'm so proud to say it and to spread this great news. Isn't that cool?
1: Brianna, what a powerful testimony this morning. Thank you for sharing that, because there's somebody here who needed to hear it. And I know God's doing amazing things in your life, and you're going to spend the rest of your life serving the Lord Jesus. So it's our honor and privilege today to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Excellent. Next, we have Nicole Anna Maria Vanadia. Anna Maria. Anna Maria, come stand next to me. This is Nicole Anna Maria, and she says Jesus came into her life at a young age. She says, my mom has always taught us to be like Jesus, and I'm so glad I have a Christian mom who prays, who reads the Bible, and teaches us the way of the Lord. I'm happy to get baptized just like Jesus did. Isn't that cool? Give her a hand, everybody.
1: so glad that you're choosing to make your faith your own today. To say to the Lord, I'll serve you all of my days. We thank God for that wonderful heritage that you have. And today you get to be in this place telling all these people, I'm going to serve Jesus the rest of my life. And because you have, it's our honor today to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Awesome. Congratulations. Next, we have Cheyenne Rose Lawrence. Come on up, Cheyenne. Cheyenne says she's now 13, and she just got saved. And she says, I have to have God to make it as a teenager. I agree. (laughs) She says, my mom played a big role in my life to keep me on track, and I'm so happy we have found a great church. We love everyone here, and now I'm taking the next big step, baptism. Isn't that cool? Give her a hand.
1: so glad that you're taking the step making your faith your own we're so glad to be your church family what an honor and a privilege it is to baptize you today in the name of the lord jesus who loves you with all of his heart and gave himself for you so today it's our honor and privilege to baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit
0: excellent Next, we have Riley Annabella Kyle. Come on up, Riley. Stand right here and look at the audience. That's right. Give her a hand. Excellent. This is so cool. This will make you cry too. She says, I want to be baptized because Jesus said it was the next step for me. She said, on a car ride with Nana, I think that's grandmother, I prayed to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and come into my heart. She says, I want to help my aunts read their Bibles and come to know Jesus. Isn't that cool? Give her a hand.
1: Riley, we're so proud of you today. And we're proud that you're making this decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart. He loves you, and he's going to guide you every day of your life. And so today, it's our honor and privilege as your church to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Awesome. Congratulations. Next, we have Savannah Bruins. Savannah here. Come on over, Savannah. Give her a hand, everybody. Stand right here, sweetie. And look at the audience. She says she wants to get baptized because she is a Christian and she wants to go to heaven. I know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I want Jesus in my life and to help me get through life. Jesus lived a perfect life, and I want to follow him, him, she says. Congratulations, sweetie.
1: We are so proud of you for making that decision today. And we're so proud that you want to follow Jesus. Because of his perfection, we have life eternal. And so today, as your church, we're so pleased to be able to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: So cool. Congratulations. Praise God. Can we give God a hand this morning for the work of his hands in all these individuals' lives? Let's bow for a word of prayer today. Father God, thank you for doing a great work in our midst. Will you continue to work in our hearts and minds today as we continue to worship you and later on listen to your word? There may be some here today that need to yield to you in the same way that we have just seen demonstrated. So we ask that you would speak to our hearts and show us how to follow you in a deeper way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: Man, Can you stand and join us in worship? We're going to continue to praise him for what he's done and what he's done in these lives today. Let's continue to worship him now. always been. He's always there, he's always faithful. He made the biggest way for us when he took our sin and sorrow and he bore it in himself on the cross. And this morning we're going to reflect on that in his work on the cross and thank him and praise him for what he's done for us. Let's do that together now.
1: Lord Jesus, you are worthy of all our praise and adoration today. Lord, thank you for your great mercy. Thank you for your great love. Thank you, Lord, that you have done good by us in spite of our sin. And thank you, Lord, because of your righteousness, we are made whole. Thank you, Lord, that as we baptize people today, they said, I don't need to be perfect, for Christ was perfect. The Lord Jesus has saved me and made me new. Lord Jesus, your love is marvelous. Thank you for standing in our place on that cross. Thank you for being everything that we needed you to be. We praise you and thank you and honor you for your marvelous love. We praise you and honor and thank you today for the mercy that you have shown us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you are a remaining young disciple and want to head on down the hall, you may do so at this time. This is a great moment to go down and uh, see Miss Jody. They're having a fabulous fifth Sunday down there. I don't know what that means, but it sounds fun. So you can head on down that direction. Hope to stay after service today and uh, have a great time with us down the hall at the fellowship luncheon and bid on some items. We had the question after the service, uh, in first service, uh, as far as the silent auction is concerned, do I have to be here to win what I bid on? No, we'll call you. All right, so if you got to go, that's fine. Feel free to bid, and if you win, we'll let you know, and uh, we're excited about that. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn in them, Bible drill, you ready for this, who gets there first, to the book of Jonah, Jonah, a minor prophet. I'm sure he didn't feel minor, but somebody named him that poor guy, right? We're going to turn to Jonah, and then, as if to try to confuse you with all of my heart, we're going to spend a little time in 2 Kings 14 today. And so, just to let you know, we're going to be in two different portions of the scripture today. We've been in a series all year, if you will, not a series, a theme called Shine Your Light. And as you go out into the hallway this morning, you'll see all the ways in which people are trying to share the good news with people in our community, and there's an emoji for all the different things that we're trying to accomplish. And we figured it would be a good time to see some light shining, or perspective light shining, in the Old Testament. Or as one famous preacher likes to say, show me a concept in the New Testament, and I'd love to take it to the Old Testament to show you where it's found first, all right? And so we're going to do a little bit of that with Jonah, who I like to call the reluctant evangelist. He had a good news, a good message to share, believe it or not. He needed to do what God had called him to do, but he wasn't willing. Now, Jonah gets a bit of a bad rap. Like, some of you are zoning out already. You're like, Jonah, please. You're like, I colored pictures with that whale spitting him out on the beach. I, I remember that from Sunday school. And the message of Jonah is, don't run from God or you're going to get you know, indigestion for a fish. You know? And that's not really the story. In fact, there's a, there's a question that really goes all through the chapters of Jonah. And the question is kind of this. Will the man or woman of God submit their will to God's heart? That's the question. This is a great book to explore God and humanity's relationship, and we do it through somebody who is a servant to the Lord, who should speak for the Lord, but is choosing not to at first. Jonah is kind of an unlikable character. If he's in heaven, one day he can yell at me for calling him that. But he is really opposed to what God is trying to do, even though he is a man of God. And we're going to see in 2 Kings in a moment, he was a man of God. Yet he wants to do the opposite of what God calls him to. He wants to go in another direction. Will Jonah submit to the heart of God? That's kind of the question that kind of pervades the book of Jonah. But the book of Jonah is not a story about a fish with indigestion. The book of Jonah's ultimate lesson is about the heart of God. We're going to see it in chapter 1, verse 2. And in five weeks, we're going to conclude with it at the end of the book. The heart of God is what is on display in the book of Jonah. That's absolutely what we're looking at. It just is put in tension, if you will. The heart of God is put in tension with the inconsistency and hypocrisy of man. And not, once again, the person outside the church doors, not necessarily the person who doesn't know God, but the person who does know God and chooses to be obstinate and inconsistent and and, and hypocritical all along. I love the Bible. One of the great proofs that the Bible is true is that the only person who gets off scot-free is Jesus in terms of his character. All the other heroes of the Bible, all the other people in there make mistakes. They have faults and failures, not the Lord, of course. And Jonah is no different. In fact, I think by the end of today, you might feel more like Jonah than you feel like Paul. Who knows what might happen here? The real question for us over the course of the next five weeks, as it relates to shining our light into the world, is this. Is my will submitted to God's heart? Am I busy Jonahing, or am I busy doing what God has called me to do into a world that so desperately needs messages of his mercy and his grace? a powerful message from Jonah, and I think you'll see over the next five weeks, there's a lot more depth than just fish indigestion, but to see that, let's go straight to the book now. Chapter 1, verse 1, just three verses today, for those of you who are already worried about the lines forming at Red Lobster, we're going to go quick. Here we go. (laughs) The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city." And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Not much context is given for Jonah here. What do you know about Jonah so far? He is the son of Amittai. That's all we know. It may be that the person who wrote this down, whether it's Jonah or the person that Jonah related this to, knew that the first audience would have known Jonah. Because Jonah was a known prophet within the land of Israel. So as Jonah is introduced here in this book that bears his name, it is quite possible that the people to whom, or to whom it was written or who originally read it would have gone, oh yeah, Jonah, that prophet to the northern kingdom. I remember him. This is about him. He already was a servant of the Lord. He was the man of God. That's why I said the real question of Jonah is whether the man or woman of God will submit their will to God's heart, okay? Because Jonah is a man of God, and I'd like to show you that he's already a man of God, but he's also a very rare prophet. We're going to see Jonah deliver a message that is really unlike any other in the Old Testament, but is very much like some messages in the New Testament. So if you would like to do a Bible drill this morning and try to get to 2 Kings before I start reading, let's do it. Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to 2 Kings chapter 14. We're going to see the context for Jonah's ministry and who Jonah is prior to his call to go to Tarshish. Now, Jonah prophesied about, as you're turning, I'm giving you a little time. You're welcome. Jonah prophesied about 200 years after David ruled the entire kingdom of Israel. Shortly after David, two generations later, the people of God split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom keeps the name Israel, and its capital is in Samaria. The southern kingdom takes the name Judah after its largest tribe. Their capital is in Jerusalem. Why do you need to know that? Because it will give you a little context for 2 Corinthians. Uh, Kings chapter 14. Let's read about this Jonah son of Amittai and just what he prophesied prior to going to Tarshish. Look at verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king in Judah, think southern kingdom, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, because they were always very creative with names, Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, think northern kingdom, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years he did, Jeroboam that is, what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the first Jeroboam, who was king in the northern kingdom, Jeroboam, son of Nebat. This second Jeroboam continued in that sin, which the original Jeroboam had made Israel to sin. Verse 25, Jeroboam II restored the border of Israel from Lebohamoth as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord. The God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Hefer. Let's stop there for just a moment. So I, 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 I think you should be shocked at this point. I think that you should have your mouth agape at what we just read. Is it agape? Are you shocked? Let me tell you why you should be shocked and outraged. Here we go. Israel was being led by a king who was continuing to lead them down the path of sin. Now, if this was the case under Elijah or Elisha or someone else, what would the message have been from the prophet? Shape up or God's going to get you, right? Shape up. You're in sin. God's going to get you. But that is not what Jonah prophesies, is it? In spite of sin, in spite of a king that's continuing to lead the people in a way that is not honoring to God, Jonah prophesies what? Hey, everybody, God is going to restore our borders and fortunes. What do you think of that? What a great message. If you've got to be an Old Testament prophet, you want to be Jonah, You get to give everybody the news they want to hear. That in spite of their sin and in spite of their rebellion, God's going to do well by them anyway. Your mouth is not agape. What is wrong with you people? Are you not hearing what I'm saying? Are you not shocked, awed, appalled? That the message of Jonah is salvation in spite of sin. Look at verse 26. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter... There was no no one left, bond or free, none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he'd blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. So he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam the sinner, son of Joash. The savior of the people here is one who's not even honoring Yahweh God. I'd love to be Jonah. I'd love to give you all messages you want to hear. I hate to give you a word of judgment and sadness and bitterness and despair. Jonah gives them a word, unlike many that we've ever seen in the Old Testament. That's not quite true of the New Testament, though, is it? Eh, more on that later. Jonah prophesied salvation in spite of sin. So this is what we know. 2 Kings 14 says Jonah's a servant of the Lord. He's already in with God. Jonah's a prophet of the Lord. He already speaks from God. Jonah speaks a message to Israel of God's mercy. God is going to do well by you in spite of your sin. Anybody here know that mercy? God does well by you in spite of your sin. Even after salvation, I've been shocked at times. I think, God, I can't believe you poured out blessing with the state of my life being what it is right now. Unbelievable. You are so good. And sometimes, as the one song says, his kindness leads us to repentance, doesn't it? Thank you, Lord, for doing well by me in spite of my sin. That's what he's doing for Israel. He's doing well by them during the time of Jonah in spite of their sin. So we know God is a deeply merciful God. We know that God still loves his people. He wants to give them every chance to return to him. And he feels bad that his hand has been lifted to the point that they would turn to him and they had not chosen to turn to him. But he doesn't want them to be under this bitter affliction anymore. So he gives them better than they deserve But third, and I think important as we get back to Jonah chapter 1 here, is this. Jonah the prophet is willing to convey a message that he approves of. He's willing to convey a message that he's okay with. The problem is, as we just read, the message that he is given in Jonah chapter 1 is not one that he's interested in giving. Let's go back to Jonah chapter 1, verse 2, and see what we're talking about here. God says to Jonah, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Think about that for just a moment. Nineveh was the one-time capital of the empire of Assyria, Neo-Assyria, to be more accurate for those of you who love humanities and ancient cultures. Assyria was a rough, rough mean, stinky mean, really mean, doggedly mean empire. In fact, I can find things, as a little bit of a scholar of ancient cultures, I can find things that I admire in the Greeks and the Romans and even the Babylonians, the Persians, the Egyptians. I, I really don't like the Assyrians. I can't find anything winsome about their culture. Everything i read on them just makes me think, what awful people. In fact, the threat that is ever before Israel is this that one day Assyria would come and conquer them and then what they do to the people of God is very simple. They would put a hook in each one of our noses and they would take a hook from that chain and chain it to the person in front of us. They would march us into captivity and as they did one by one they would say you go there those people over there are your new family say goodbye to your current family and friends and relatives you now serve that God in that city with those people that have been conquered as well We will not only destroy your land, but we will destroy destroy your entire identity with your family and your nation. Go off with them. That's the threat of Assyria to the northern kingdom. You like the Assyrians about as much as I do now, don't you? Awful, awful, wicked, wicked people. But what does God say? They are wicked. Their wickedness has come up before me. Their sin has come up before me. Go and speak out against them. What's the message that God wants Jonah to speak to Nineveh? You're going to be judged. He wants to speak judgment over Nineveh for their sins. Their sins are a stink in his nostrils, and he's going to send Jonah to say, you're in deep trouble with God. Why wouldn't Jonah want to do that? Is he afraid? We're going to find out in chapter 4, no, he was not afraid. Fear is not what drives Jonah. Jonah's worried about something far greater, that when God pronounces judgment, it's because his heart is that of a merciful Savior. Why does God pronounce judgment? So that when he does judge, he can say, see, I told you. Or does God pronounce judgment because he is inherently merciful and wants to say, I want to give you every last opportunity to repent and turn to me? You answer the question think about this why does God pronounce judgment because if he can show mercy to the very last instant he shall show mercy by sending Jonah to Nineveh to speak out against them God is inherently saying that he's the merciful Savior the same merciful God who treated Israel better than their sin is willing to treat Nineveh better than their sin and Jonah's gonna say this in chapter four I knew that you're merciful And that's why I didn't want to go. God's heart is, was that of a merciful Savior. And therefore, Jonah can't go to Nineveh, because Nineveh is his natural enemy. He wants nothing to do with the Assyrians. And And so what does Jonah do? What does he decide to do? Argue with God? Continue to contend with God? Go to Nineveh but preach his own message? No. With all the strength he can muster, he runs away. He goes the opposite direction. He's supposed to go east, so he chooses to go west. Now there's a question among scholars, is Tarshish a name for the deep sea or Spain? We really don't know for certain. But what we can say is that Jonah's compass was going in the wrong direction. He wasn't going to go east and to the northeast. He was going to go to the west. He was going to go in a direction that was not ordained for him by God. He even goes to a port town. Joppa uh, became eventually a a port of Israel. But at that time, it was not a port of Israel. He goes to a pagan port to make birth and get as far away from God as he can. And that's really the story here of verse 3, is it not? What's the repeated phrase besides the word Tarshish? The repeated phrase is from the presence of the Lord. He fled. He flees. He Flies, he runs away run away that's what he's doing here because he does not want to submit to the heart of God and he cannot admit to himself that God has a message for his natural enemy see this is an interesting phrase and those of you who are Bible scholars you know if you see something repeated pay special attention in the span of two short sentences we are told Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. If he chooses, as he is, to refuse to submit to the Lord, the natural course of action is to run from the presence of God. And I want to make this point to you today, because I think it is germane to our culture as it was to his. I think it is true of us today as it was for Jonah. To ignore the heart of God is to run from his presence. If, if we want to ignore God, we were going to pursue a pattern of spiritual isolation in some way. Now, was the presence of God in the land, is that why Jonah needs to flee? Well, theologically, yes. The idea of Israel was that they were to follow the laws as stringently as they did because God was going to do something unheard of. I am that I am, existence himself, Yahweh God was going to dwell among his people emanating from the holy of holies to the holy place to the, to, eventually, to, to the outer courts and then eventually to all of Israel. God was going to dwell in the land with his people. That was, that was why they needed to have such a fear of the Lord and reverence him so powerfully. So yes, he needs to get away from a holy place, a set-apart place, the sanctuary of God, if you will. He cannot be in the presence of the Lord and remain unsubmitted. So he's got to what? Run. He's got to run. He also flees the people of God. I think it's important that he chooses Joppa as opposed to an Israelite port. He doesn't want anybody asking him questions about why he's not in the will of God. He doesn't want anybody who knows him going, Jonah, where are you going? Aren't you a prophet? What's God been speaking? He doesn't want that. He can't know and be known by others. that will cause him to have to give an account for ignoring the heart of God and pursuing his own will. He has to get away from the people of God and the spaces in which God dwells if he's going to submit to his will and not to God. And that is something that we know all about. We are human. And the heart of God has always been held in tension against our great hypocrisy and inconsistency and changeability. Yes, God, I will do that but no God I shall not do that and please allow me then to compartmentalize my life in a way to shut out your presence and shut out your voice as it relates to that which I do not wish to do now we don't have that sense necessarily that that there's places where we have to flee from and God bless you you showed up to church today so you're at least open to the idea that God could speak to you in this place and change your will unto his will. God bless you for that, for that simple act of assembling yourself together. But could it be? Has it ever happened to you? Because it certainly happened to me while I sat, sat under other pastors. Has it ever been that a topic of conversation or a passage of the Bible is brought up that you know that you are not submitted to the will of God, and so you check out immediately? Ever been there? I know I have. I've sat there and thought, he doesn't get to talk to me about that. I don't need this topic. I'm sure he's sinning in that way, too. I don't need any part of that. I'm going to sit here, turn in the back of my Bible, and study the maps for the next 35 minutes. (laughs) Because God's not allowed to touch that part of my life that I don't want him to touch it's a pattern of spiritual isolation. It's running from the presence of the Lord. We can do it in the middle of the... Remember when we called our worship place a sanctuary? We try to get rid of all Christianese, right? So, so sanctuary to the outside world is, is, is a weird word. It just means a holy place, a place set apart for God. I like using the word sanctuary. Forgive me for being so traditional. But, but isn't that the idea? We come here in order to encounter the presence of the Lord. But can't we even in this place... Choose spiritual isolation. Say, God, you can't touch that. I want no part of that. I asked a couple of folks on staff this week, I said, how do people pursue spiritual isolation to ignore the heart of God? They say, simple, they don't read this. Because this will change you and it will challenge you. The prophet Isaiah made it clear that, that God's word would not return void. It accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. And therefore, if you read this thing, it's going to place a call on your life, many that you don't prefer, many that you don't like, but it is inspired, and it is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God can be equipped for every good work. You can pursue spiritual isolation simply week by week, day by day, by leaving this unopened. So you don't have to submit to the heart of God. You can choose your will over his. Well, God, I like that assignment. Happy to do it. God, I don't like that assignment. I'm out. And that's what we can do as Christians today. That's what so many of us choose to do. We can choose to serve and love our church in powerful ways, but the idea of serving and loving our neighbors outside of these doors and shining our light so people might come to know Jesus, for many of that, us, that's a harder assignment. We don't we don't like that assignment. Somebody else will do that assignment. I don't know if this was Jonah's heart, but if, if it were me, I'd be saying, God send somebody else to Nineveh. I'm not really feeling it. I, I'm not interested. There's gotta be a better preacher, better prophet, somebody who can bring them back to you. I don't want any part of that. That's tough. We can isolate ourselves spiritually very easily how about in a church like this where at the end of every service we take a time to pray and you know that God's been knocking on your heart door, heart's door for 25 minutes and instead of praying during that time and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? How would you have me change? How would you come have me come into line with your will? All we can think about is the ham in the oven or the next stop after church. We don't engage We pursue this isolation, we run from the presence of the Lord, and perhaps the greatest one for so many of us, that the only Christian who really knows us well enough to speak into our lives is our spouse. That's a way to remain unchanged, folks, because we can get into the ring with our spouse and be the best of boxers, if you will, punch counterpunch in terms of our character and our methods, and I I don't mean domestic violence, if anybody hears that then well, the problem's with you <laughs> I, I simply mean that nobody else knows you well enough to speak into your life, you're going to Joppa you're going to Joppa to flee town, you're not spending time amongst the people of God, you're not studying and praying with other Christians that's too dangerous and some of you, if I may be so bold you can, you can, you, and it's true and I know, we're a great church for those of you who have suffered a little bit of church hurt because we don't, we don't push you, we don't prod you, we don't make you do certain, you gotta do our program, or you're not, we don't do that stuff, nonsense. But for some of you, the call today is, is that you need to get over that and know and be known by other Christians again. God will protect you. God will protect you. He hears the cry of your heart. And he's not gonna allow you to be hurt again. He's gonna use that hurt for your ministry and for his glory if you'll stop pursuing spiritual isolation. It's important that we do. It's important that we stay in the presence of God. Because the story of Jonah really is about God's heart. And God's heart is for people who are dead in their sin to come alive again. God's heart for Israel in 2 Kings chapter 14 was was for people who were dead in their sin to come alive again. And God's heart for the Ninevites in Jonah chapter 1 was for people who were dead in their sin to come alive again. That's what he's after. His merciful heart trumpeted, parroted, and preached through his people because God has always been willing to save in spite of sin. And that's why he sent Jesus. His heart on display in Jonah and 2 Kings was the same heart displayed on the cross that whosoever will can come to know him, that whosoever will can come to serve him, that whosoever will can come to eternity in Christ because God loves people enough to want to show them mercy in spite of their sin. That's why we can't pursue spiritual isolation, folks. That's why we can't run from the presence of the Lord. That's why we can't leave any part of ourselves unsubmitted to the Lord because there's a lost and a dying world that needs him in spite of their sin, whether here in Israel or out there in Nineveh. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we know that if we stay in the presence of God, we'll be changed. We can't remain unchanged, Lord. Whether that presence comes through your word, read or heard, whether that presence comes through the fellowship of the saints, whether that presence comes through prayer, whether that presence comes through a word of knowledge or prophecy from a brother or sister into our lives. Lord, can we stop fleeing from your presence that we might be changed? Can we stop compartmentalizing And submit our inconsistent heart to your consistent heart, a heart of mercy and grace that tarries today because you want more people to come to know you, to escape the judgment. Lord, may we have your heart. May we give you all of ourselves so that more and more people might know that your desire is to show the mercy to pour out grace upon them. So now you who pursue the presence of God, you saints who have come to church this morning and said, I'm open to being changed. Would you be so bold as to ask him in prayer right now, Lord, what part of my life have I told you you cannot touch? What aspect of my being have I been closed off to hearing from you. Where have I been unsubmitted to your heart and your will? Show me, Lord. Would you just do that? He'll bring it across your mind's eye. He's faithful. Ask him right now. You're anything like me right now you're a little bit upset with the Lord you're frustrated that he brought that across your mind's eye that's not what you wanted to hear this morning from him neither did Jonah don't lean west today when he calls you to lean east right now and I'll do it with you ask him Lord what would you have me do risk it in prayer right now If you need to remain in prayer for a few minutes, I'd like you to be able. AJ's going to lead us in a benediction song. And when you're ready to sing along with us, you can stand and sing. But some of you are battling right now, and I want you to press in in prayer. I encourage you. The Lord spoken something you didn't want to hear. But he is faithful, and his spirit is not counterfeit. So ask him today, Lord, can you help me to submit to your will? Ask him today to bring you into his heart. AJ, would you lead us?
3: Oh,
2: Christ, be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix our eyes. Be the center of our lives. Our lives around your life. We lift our eyes to heaven, to you. Oh, we lift our eyes to heaven. We wrap our Be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix our eyes. Be the center of our lives.
1: Oh, Lord Jesus, would you take the word that you've given us and the emotion of this moment and allow it to move into real action that we might honor you, that we might operate with the same heart that you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you're able, would you stand today? The word on the street is that Altieres has catered a wonderful lunch for us. And so if you're able to stay and partake, we would love for you to do so. If you can't, would like to bid on some items before you leave to support our Mexico Missions team. We'd be thrilled. If you're just looking for some fellowship today, you should head on down the hall. If you've never been to a Victory Life auction, it almost feels sinful. <laughs> It'd be worth watching. God bless you. Have a great day.